1: Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome. It's great to have all of you. Tune us in and turn us on. Awesome, awesome to be connecting with all of you. I hope you enjoyed our friends from the past hour. I love, love Tina and Laura, and what a great show they do. Um, you know, today is an interesting day for me, Benny, and let me give you a shout out. Hi all there. right. Why is it so interesting? It's interesting because uh, today we're going to talk about what it means to turn our enemies into allies. Oh, the art good one. Yeah, and look, it's about the workplace, the art of peace in the workplace. Oh, even better. It is. And then later on, I have started a new show, and we're going to be doing a segment of it here on KKNW. Uh, but for the moment, I do it on TTR and CRN. And it's a new show, Benny, but you've known me 15 years, and you would probably say, you know, that's not new <laughs> for you. Because the show is called Power Up with Dr. Pat. And so the idea of this show is I talk about things that I don't normally talk about here. And so it's a different format. It's less of me interviewing people and more of talking about things that are are either on my mind or in the headlines or that people aren't talking about. So I didn't plan this this way, but we're gonna talk about turn enemies into allies. And then I'm gonna be talking about broken promises. And so when they ask me to give a subtitle for that, uh, and by the way, Benny, it's Power Up Radio with Dr. Pat, Unleashed, Unshaken, Unstoppable, cool. right? And like that's it. probably I know it's like it's like the U, but I I wrote a title that is very different than the way you know me. So the t- the episode title, is Broken Promises: The Defeat of Truth in America, and I thought, wow. Is that what I'm really talking about? So I better sit here and have a conversation first with Judy Ringer, who actually wrote a book, Turn Enemies into Allies, right? The Art of Peace in the Workplace, before I'm like the defeat of truth in America. What the heck am I talking about, Benny? Um, But you know, and Benny, you know this, that I studied the consequences of broken promises better known as or of uh, a uh, better better known as the academic turn for this is enough to kind of make you regurgitate yourself uh, is about the framework of psychological contract violation and development so that's the academic phrase but it boils down to broken promises the reason that judy's work is so important just just reason I'm sharing this is because From an academic perspective, and believe me, 10 years of research on this, postdoctoral research, presentation, awards for this research, we don't get to the solution for it. But we we get to the data and the consequences of it. And, And when we think about some of the consequences that come from conflict in the workplace, broken promises, psychological contract repeals, what happens along the way is people engage in war and not in art. And so here we are today kind of backwards where Judy and I are going to talk about the you know what this means to bring the power and presence of peace in the workplace and then at noon I'm going to tell you about how all the stuff gets broken. So it's kind of like in the reverse of things. But Judy is this, owner of Power and Presence Training. She's the author of Turn Enemies into Allies, the book we're going to talk about today. She also is somebody that does something I didn't have the guts to do, and that is provide conflict communication and presentation skills training. I'll tell you, she's a better woman than I could ever be on the topic. And what she does best is excel in communication models and so here we are today and we're having a conversation about somebody that doesn't always just she doesn't just talk about this she lives this and understands this and then teaches teaches this she's also a skilled vocalist and benny you know i'm not going to sing because benny will tell you judy that i have done a little singing on the air uh, and that would be absolutely the downside of this show today, <laughs> Judy Rigger, Everybody, get ready for this. Can we? Should we? Will we? Turn enemies into allies. Judy, it's great
2: to have you. Oh, gosh, Pat, thank you so much. That's probably the best introduction of <laughs> my life. Thank you very much. <gasps> And you've already spoken to so many things that I align am aligned with, and uh, you know, one of them is skills. Uh, I mean, I think that I think that this is about skills more than anything else. And uh, you know, we're so quick to make people bad or um, judge them when they're you know in conflict, and conflict is just a way. It's it's a part of life. It's going to be there. And and so my book and what I do in life is help people gain skills to deal with it because that's what it's about.
1: Well, you know, I got to tell you this. I'm coming off of uh, uh, I'm coming off uh, uh, of uh, what do you call that when you binge watch binge watching binge watching? Oh. OK, OK. I'm coming off of binge watching Game of Thrones. Oh, So I'm coming off of that. And what I realize is, as we look at something as iconic as Game of Thrones has been, and we we get all the backlash about the finale, which I'm not going to talk about, I'm not going to share it, but I am going to talk about it in the next hour, because I don't want to be a spoiler. I don't want to be a spoiler. Okay. okay. But here's, here. I, I don't know if you want, here's the takeaway for me, in the last big finale episode that... You either hate it or you love it, it literally could write the book on two things, breaking promises and, and what you talk about, turning enemies into allies. And, and I, I was really struck by that because I literally am coming off of it. But here's what I want to ask you about, and I want to start with this. We're okay. gonna talk about where this idea came from from you. I, honestly, it it comes from within, we we know that, but beyond that, here's what I wanna talk about. Okay. People have described the workplace and in, in a couple of different ways. When the economy is great, it sets in place a certain workplace. When the economy is not great, it sets in place a certain workplace. But what these two venues have in common is that employers want to create productive cultures. And what they know is that that is close to impossible if you have an enemy mentality. What are your thoughts on
2: that? Yes, my thoughts are absolutely you're right. Uh, It's hard to solve problems if you are thinking of the person that you're in the conflict with as an adversary or an enemy. Um, this concept of turning enemies into allies is not new, of course, it's in all the literature in conflict resolution. Sometimes they call it you know, turning adversaries into partners for problem solving. Uh, I use turn enemies into allies because it's a catchy title for sure, but I think sometimes when conflict becomes exaggerated and escalated, we begin to think of the other person as an enemy. As evil in some cases, and it's very easy to throw around words like that. So my the point of the the name and the art of peace in the workplace and everything, the point of the concept is that we can do that by ourselves. You know, people say, well, what if the other person doesn't want to be allied? What if they want to just keep fighting? Um, you can do this because you decide that I want to solve a problem. I don't want to stay in the fight. I don't want to make this a contest. I want to. Um, figure out how I can learn uh, what this other person uh, thinks, where they're coming from and see if in fact there are areas of agreement or areas where our positions might overlap and we can find a way to work this out. Uh, so you're right. Uh, if, if we see the other person as an enemy, there's no way we're going to solve a problem. We're just going to stay in the fight. Yeah.
1: You know, if we're fighting, Yep. Uh, Okay, so let me let me uh, uh, let me l- let me set the background for this. I interviewed a gentleman not too long ago who wrote a fascinating book, and and the basic idea of the book is as follows: We think we multitask. He has scientifically proven that it is impossible to multitask. So we think we're multitasking. What what he's trying to say is. You think you're doing this, you're doing that, but you really are only doing one thing. And what I love about your book and what I love about the way you take us through this is if you are fighting or if you are in conflict, whether that be psychologically, emotionally, physically, or spiritually, if you are in that, you are not at peace. And, yes. and we have history about that. But here's my question for you and hold this till we come back. Okay. My question for you is... The art that you describe, and I've talked about this, for those of you just tuning in, this is a great show. You're going to learn so much from this, from Judy. The art of peace in the workplace, the essence of what you've brought forward in this is based on the study of Aikido, based on the study that you have, have done. But more importantly than that, it's also based on how to redirect power yes. we're going to yeah and i love the word power as a matter of fact that show at noon i lo- i love it and yet it's one of the most difficult words for mostly women to even use when we come back are you ready willing and able to do that so that you could experience the art of And we got three copies of this book to give away. Look at it. If you don't need the book for yourself, you probably should give it to your boss. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Are you new to
0: playing with the law of attraction or a seasoned pro looking for an easy and organized way to monitor your co-creation endeavors as you draw them from the immaterial planes into your physical reality? Then join me over at goldenotter.us our bi-monthly new and full moon rituals where we plant seeds of intention then harvest the fruits of our desires as part of a dynamic community in the members only lunar manifestations forum i'm autumn seibel host of golden Otter radio where the metaphysical meets the mainstream and i can't wait to meet you have you discovered the remarkable books at angelhealinghouse.com author claire candy hoff has channeled rare books of inspiration and insight Angels of Faith is an inspiring story of healing, comfort, and hope that reminds us that death is not to be feared, but embraced with joy. One True Home Behind the Veil of Forgetfulness takes readers on a roller coaster ride through Angel Ariel's five most important lives on earth, as well as her experiences in the afterlife, and helps us remember our own journey across the veil. And Claire Candy's autobiography, I Am an Angelic Walk In which details the 2003 soul exchange that took place when Claire Candy walked out of her body and Angel Ariel walked in, creating heaven on earth for herself and others. To find out more about these wonderful books, visit angelhealinghouse.com today.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. As I said before, look, I've got a great guest, Judy Ringer. And I got to tell you, I really meant it, Judy, when I said that, you know, you're, you are you are definitely a better woman than I am, because the most that I could do, given what I saw uh, in the repeal of the psychological contract, was to research it, was to research why people felt the way they did. That And you know this about research. Research is research. It's data. It's studies. I have 1,200 pages of interview notes, but it's not a solution. The best that we get to do as researchers is write a conclusion that has to do with the next body of research. You, on the other hand, study, work with, provide consultation to, and now a book about how to turn enemies into allies, the art of peace in the workplace. And what I love about this book, and by the way, folks, we have three copies of this to to give out. You have to be somebody that has been on both sides. You have to have known what it is like to be on the side with the enemy and on the side with the ally. Because as one of my mentors said to me a long time ago, Judy, you cannot take person to a place you haven't gone before. So tell us, what did you, Judy Ringer, what did you have to do? What consequences did you have to overcome? What did you have to do to write this book, to do the work you do, to bring you to this very
2: moment? Wow, thank you. That, thank you for that question. Uh, it's a long history. I've been teaching this for 25 years, and I've been practicing Aikido, the martial art you mentioned in the uh, early part of this interview, for about the same amount of time. But what really got me writing, um, and this is my second book, uh, I started writing about conflict and thinking about. I started thinking about it first when I had, you know, some major conflict in my life in the mid '80s and couldn't figure out how to deal with it. Uh, I don't like being I don't like feeling like I'm in a box that I can't get out of. And so wherever I have fear, I usually try to, uh, uh, get myself out of that box, figure out what it is that I can do. Because I, I always figure, you know, if other people can do this, I can. And so other people have figured this out. So I started reading and I started going to classes and I discovered Aikido through a mentor of mine, whose name is Thomas crumb. He lives in Colorado. He's a mm. full teacher. And, uh, you know, he was talking about Aikido and the way it gets applied in work and life. And, well, it's a fascinating martial art. Uh, so anyway, sh- just briefly answer your question. I-, I came at it from a point of view of not knowing how to deal with conflict myself in the workplace. Having a manager that I I felt was restricting me, I was ready to quit the company. And because I was a fairly high producer, the the people in, you know, Owners said, "Hey, wait a minute. We're going to send you to a course. You might like this." So that's where I met Tom. Uh, my default in conflict is to accommodate, is to make everybody happy. I really like uh, people to be comfortable around me. I call myself an approval-seeking missile. I really like to uh, um, make sure that I say yes most of the time. But that's not if that's the only tool I have then I'm afraid to ask for what I want, I'm afraid to say no, I'm afraid to express a different opinion. And life was getting kind of hard, and I was feeling boxed in by lack of skill. So I began to study, and Aikido was one of the methods that uh, appealed to me because it's experiential. So it's one thing to read a book, kind of what you were saying about research. It's one thing to do research and read about how to do it. It's a very different thing uh, to practice what you're reading and to take chances and risks so that um, you know you learn. I think we make we have our biggest learning experiences through having outcomes we don't expect. So um, Aikido is a Japanese martial art that means the, the word is often translated as, as the way of blending with energy. The key, ki, K-I, meaning uh, energy or life force. So when you said you introduce your show as thriving, um, mm-hmm. powerful, living life full out, if you knew you couldn't fail, you know, that's the kind of mentality and physicality that Aikido suggests. The The goal of Aikido is to render the attack harmless, but without harming the attacker. So it's all about redirection, as you mentioned early on. Uh, it's all about using our ki, our chi, our energy, our life force with intentionality, instead of just reacting all the time, uh, how am I going to deal with what comes at me in life? So on the mat in Aikido, we get a physical experience. This is how I'm going to deal with an attack. I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to join the energy and I'm going to redirect it in a way that I don't harm the opponent. And so in life, the same thing. In the workplace, the same thing happens. Somebody says something to me with an attitude or something that I disagree with, right? Instead of immediately thinking about blocking them or resisting them or, um, you know, saying something back in a snarky way, I ask a question instead. I get curious about where they're coming from and learn a little bit more about what direction all their energy is going in so that I can conceivably align with it. And redirect it in a way that uh, maybe come, uh, helps us find an outcome that's mutually beneficial. Does that some of that make sense? Am I explaining the metaphor well enough? Well, what we're talking about is we're talking
1: about energy to me, and yes. that's what I love to talk about because Aikido and, uh, and 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 what we're talking about when when you could render something neutral, right? Yes. When you can do that most of the time we don't see it as a powerful approach <laughs> right and you know in the in the next hour i'm literally going to be talking about broken promises lessons from lessons in politics from game of thrones and you know when we look at something the question then becomes you know are we able willing and do we have the skill to really know how to do that. The other thing that's important about what you're saying is it's extremely powerful, extremely powerful. And yet, what I know, and this is what I'd like you to talk about too, there is a level of avoidance of conflict at work that's worse than, at least from my perspective, worse than what we see in relationships between two people. You know, the love, the marriage relationships, right? You know, there is a level of avoidance that folks have learned for a lot of reasons. So let's go through the list. One, the avoidance of, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job, right? Two, the avoidance of, wow, uh, I may tick somebody off. Three, wow, the avoidance of actually standing tall and having a powerful voice in my workplace. And let's just stop at three. Because I'd like to hear from your perspective. Look, avoiding conflict, you've probably seen it a gazillion times. I bet you could add to that list, right? I could.
2: I've done it myself. I mean, and, and I don't want to make any piece of this bad. Does that no. make sense? Because yeah, no, it's not bad. There are plenty of times when avoiding a conflict is the right thing to do. Uh, I'll give you an example of, you know, I have a couple of um, friends who. Uh, get at it once in a while into conflict, and they often ask me for advice, right? So um, it's tempting to get involved in some way that takes sides, and that's not my conflict. That's their conflict. And so what I encourage people like that to do is to talk to each other. I mean, I'm happy to provide some, as a skilled advisor, some suggestions, but basically they're talking to the wrong person if they're expecting me to take a side. So sometimes avoiding... A conflict is the right thing to do and not take a side not try to solve it but invite the person to talk to the per- their, the person who could become a partner or an ally in solving it i got let me just jump in and
1: ask you this question because this is baffling for me and and i don't i don't know if there's a cut and dry answer to this but the dalai lama says
2: <laughs>
1: i always listen to him the dalai lama really talked about women taking a leadership role in this arena.
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I I think, I didn't know that, so I'm glad to hear it. And I think that the reason he may have said that is because we are sort of trained early on, we're brought up to be listeners, to be in some cases passive and in some cases too passive. And so I think that we may have more empathy, because of some of this training and because of the the cult the way the culture the way we're acculturated uh, so the avoidance also though is can be a female trait because we're such good listeners sometimes we never actually express our point of view or how we think about things so back to your point about avoidance in the workplace of conflict i think unfortunately um, that the workplace has become very silent You know, people are very afraid to express their opinions about something for fear of being, well, taking somebody off, as you said. Uh, We're afraid of being perceived in a way that doesn't represent who we really are, maybe. Uh, Afraid of losing our job. Yes, that could happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Standing tall. I I think that, uh, you know, the, the word power you mentioned earlier, you're interested in that word. So am I. I think it's another way to. I think we have to practice using power differently. I think Mm -hmm. we've seen it expressed probably in the political arena as much as anywhere else in ways that are harmful. We don't see people teaching us how to look for solutions. We just see people taking positions and using power to put other people down. Uh, So the way that Aikido uses power, and they call it a life force, because call it what you will, uh, the word power often has negative connotations. Uh, the way that I see it is that power is our ability to achieve purpose. And if we're clear about where we're going, what our purpose is for our company, what our purpose is for this conversation, for this relationship, then it really, uh, the the conflict is almost over before it begins. So I've been married for 45 years, and I've learned a lot about conflict through that relationship. But part of that is because I have had a purpose that I like this man and I want to stay married to him for the rest of my life. And so when conflict comes up, uh, initially when we were first married, we both avoided it like crazy. And then we learned, hey, this isn't working, you know? (laughs) So we began to, uh, and we've got some skills, you know, we talked to people, we learned how to to do it. We learned how to express ourselves in ways that are helpful, that are solution oriented, that, Uh, also allow space for the other person to talk. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there are some skills in the book that I talk about. One is inquiry. One is learning how to be in a spirit of inquiry, not just ask questions, but actually be curious about this other person who looks like an enemy, but hey, let's give it a chance, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And, you know, part of what I'm talking about when we say let's give it a chance is a willingness to come forward and contemplate that. You know, it's a willingness to do that. You know, I, I, I know I'm going to talk about this in the, in the next hour, but um, there was a part in Game of Thrones, and that is what I'm going to talk about. There was a, there was a moment in Game of Thrones mm-hmm. where exactly what you just said could mm-hmm. have been the direction of the finale, exactly what you just said. And yet, we must have a conversation when we come back about anger, frustration, okay, right?
2: yeah.
1: immobilization, broken promises, and what can we do to restore control and peace of mind? Yes, it's got to be peace of mind. Because if you are coming into work and your brain and your mind is feeling like a giant volcano in Hawaii, it will take you down. Let's take a short break. Judy Ringer, we'll be right back.
0: Have you ever wondered how you might feel differently if the books were full of her instead of him? What if your history lesson was filled with powerful women leaders and rulers? As a woman, would you feel more empowered? As a man, would you
2: see women differently? I'm Megan Edge. I'd love for you to join me on my radio show, Playing on the Edge, Radical Change with Ease, with my co-host, Dr. Pat, on Transformation Talk Radio. I hope to see you there.
0: Curious about the meaning of life? Do you want to deepen your spiritual practice? The School for Esoteric Studies offers online training to spiritual seekers from all paths of life and individual coaching. Our courses synthesize Eastern and Western spiritual traditions based on meditation, study, and service applied to everyday life. The school also organizes group meditations each year to benefit humanity. Whether you're just beginning to reflect on the spiritual side of your life or are a more experienced spiritual seeker, the school warmly welcomes you to join our group. To learn more about our courses and services, please visit esotericstudies.net. That's esotericstudies.net. Are you ready to embrace your essence and the magic of who you are? Let me, Emily Perkins, hold your hand and walk with you as we go treasure hunting for the gold that lies within you. Tune in to Love Living Radio every second and fourth Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information, visit LovelivingHolistics.com.
1: Are you ready to branch out? Take a leap of faith. Then tune in to Get Rooted Radio with Erica Gifford-Mills on TransformationTalkRadio.com every second and fourth Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific to equip, empower, and enlighten yourself. Erica will energize and excite you to power up your passionate dream that sets your soul on fire. So get fearlessly ready and get powerfully rooted in your yes to live it up, love it up, and let it go to ignite the life you deserve. Visit GetRootedRadio.com and tune in. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Benny. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Look... For more information about me, you can certainly go to the Dr. Pat Show and Transformation Talk Radio. Um, we are, have not really set up the page or the site for the new show, Power Up with Dr. Pat, but that's coming soon. Uh, you know, we just, when it comes to doing stuff for ourselves, we're just a little slow at that, but we're really good at helping our hosts. For more information about Judy, uh, Judy, we send, send everybody to her website,
2: right? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I, I'm glad you asked because um, there's a lot of good information there that people can just download. There's no charge. I have an articles page under resources, for example, that has articles on uh, a checklist for a difficult conversation, uh, how to talk to people when you feel like they're your enemy. You know how to turn. Basically, that one's called how to turn a tormentor into a teacher. Uh, that has gotten a lot of press on the internet lately. There's just there's about 15 articles, and then. There are blog posts. If people want to sign up for my blog every two weeks, I blog a very four to 500 word post on skills that uh, are helpful, how to recenter, how to find your power, how to find your voice. Anyway, it's www.judyringer.com. Awesome. And Benny,
1: We've got three copies of Judy's book to give away. I like to start off by giving the first one away. And what I wanna say about the book, and this is what I found in reading it for, for everybody. Um, even though the book title, uh, it talks about the workplace, right? Turn enemies into allies, the art of peace in the workplace. I'm gonna tell you that my, my interpretation of this is what Judy puts in the book, the tools, the approach can be used to turn enemy into allies just about anywhere. So I wanna give first copy away, one eight hundred nine three zero two eight one nine. Like to give it away. One eight hundred nine three zero two eight one nine. Um, I know you've written this book for managers, leaders, HR professionals, or anyone stuck in the middle of employee
2: <laughs> conflict, right? Right. I'm glad um, you, what you did, though, because one of, in yeah. fact, a couple of the reviews on Amazon say just that: that wow, this is great for home life too. And one of my, um, one of the people I gave it to, uh, uh, who I know from um, my my life here in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, uh, said, "I'm loving your book. I'm reading it so slowly because I'm really using it at uh, church, at my church, where we're having some conflict." So, yeah, yeah a lot of things it, it can be used in a lot of places. Um before we uh, sure before we went on our break you know you mentioned about anger frustration restoring yeah. control peace of mind i just wanted to mention pat that this is like one of the major pieces of the book and starts out starts the book out because whether you're in the workplace or at home or with friends or in a community setting If we can't manage ourselves, and the same thing on the mat in Aikido, if I can't stay centered, if I can't manage my own energy, my mindset, my emotions, then there's no way I'm going to be able to manage what comes my way in terms of conflict or anything else. So a big piece of the book is about centering, what that means, uh, not only what it means for you, but how to teach it to your employees if you decide to go the route that I suggest in the book, which is helping employees to resolve a conflict when they can't get along in the workplace, but you really need them both. So how to manage your own energy so that you can help them do it. And then how to catch yourself when you're about to become judgmental, when you're about to say something that you will regret later and how to recenter. I think more and more now we know what that word means. What We, we know what mindfulness means and we know what peace of mind means and uh, I think it's a rare commodity and I think it's teachable and I think it's learnable and we can practice it and get better at it and have a better quality of life, which is what your show is all about.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it is. And I, and one of the things I want to get to really and ask you very specifically about around this is right at the right out of the gate in the book. And I can't remember exactly where it is, but you you focus on a positive mindset. Now, I love that you have a, a quote from Peter Drucker. I got to study with him Uh, before he passed away down at Claremont and you know and I I love this idea of positive mindset now look I love saying that you know I played in a tournament this weekend I know all about positivity look I own a positive talk radio network with eight channels so you would think that I would get this no no I'm a work in progress and 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 look (laughs) as as much as I wanted to have a positive mindset in the last game I played in this tournament, I did not. And so help us understand the importance, the power, and the impact of APM. Mm
2: Mm-hmm, powerful mindset. Well, um, if you wanna really learn about it, Carol Dweck has written uh, some great books about positive mindset and growth mindset which I sometimes conflate, and they're not always the same thing. But for me, uh, well, a positive mindset around conflict, for example, is catching ourselves when we go into resistance. Oh, no, why is this happening to me? I can't believe it. Not again. So that's a mindset that's not going to be helpful. Let's face it. If I go into a difficult conversation thinking, this is going to be awful. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. Of course, it's going to be awful. (laughs) If I walk into a conversation that, you know, could be difficult. I wasn't planning on it, but here it is. If I go into that thinking, well, at least I'm going to learn something here, uh, and who knows, maybe something will, will come out of it that I hadn't expected. I'm going to center myself. I'm going to go in. I'm going to I'm going to have a purpose to learn where this other person's coming from and try to solve the problem. And I'm going to do my best to uh, see this as a gift in my life. I'm not sure where the gift is yet, but I'm going to see if I can find it. Now, that's a different way, and and no matter what happens. So what I loved about what you said at the beginning is that if you knew you could not fail, and so here's my suggestion for everyone listening. If you knew you could not fail in conflict, what would you be doing? And here's my answer, because I'm sure people are going, well, you know, I fail in conflict all the time, and I have conflict too, just like you said, Pat. This is a work in progress that you're talking to as well. What I have now is a way of thinking about the conflict that helps me know that there is no failure. There's only learning. So the answer to, if you knew you could not fail, what would you be doing? You'd be entering a learning growth, positive mindset. You'd be walking into that conflict thinking, I know I'm going to learn something here, no matter what happens. So that, that, in that sense, you can't fail. You just can't fail. And so Uh, I don't know about you, but most of my best learning experiences in conflict and in anything in my life really have come from times when somebody might call it failure. I don't really even like to use that word. I Mm -hmm. I, I have an outcome maybe that I didn't expect. I was surprised. Uh, You know, in the past, I used to call it a mistake, but I find that that puts me into a negative mindset. And I'd rather continue to think in terms of something's going to happen here that I'm going to learn from. And I hope that um, I hope that I use all the skills that I have because conflict is one of those places where sometimes this you can't even find the skills. That's how it is. But that's a learning too. And you you look back on it and you go, okay, so what did I do well? What can I appreciate about how I did? So this is some this is actually a practice that I suggest for people who want to get better at this. You go into a conversation, something happens. The conversation's over. You look back on it. Find one thing that you appreciate. You know, we're always so quick to look at what we need to improve. And that's a good thing, not a bad thing. However, if you're a high achiever, like probably everybody on this show is right now, um, the first thing you look for is what I could have done better. I'm suggesting that you can be even better at what you do and live life more fully. If the first thing you ask yourself is, what did I do well? What do I appreciate about how I handled that? And then you can look for all the things you want to approve, improve. Well, let's, well let's
1: just talk about this though and follow it through. Yeah, okay. Um, one of the things that I reflect upon when we talk about keto is the word commitment. And the, the, the word commitment, uh, another way to look at commitment is making a, an agreement with oneself. That one, that this is something that you are taking on because it's worth it to you. Two, that the commitment that you make is also to follow this through regardless of an expected or non-expected outcome. And then three, that you're doing this to restore a peace of mind. And maybe that peace of mind or the outcome of peace of mind, maybe that's what you get out of it. Maybe no one else will get that out of it. But yet the process itself Is powerful isn't it
2: yes that's exactly it that sometimes we go into these situations expecting a certain outcome and wanting a certain outcome and you know that's okay that's human nature and the process of it is what's important how do I manage myself my energy am I being intentional am I committed to learning something You're right, it is a commitment, and I think we get scared away by conflict too much, and if we, well, I'll give a story, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, please. I, I worked with a couple of women in an insurance company, a big insurance company, and both of the women were highly skilled, technically, and their manager, you know, really liked each one individually very much and didn't want either one of them to leave the company, Because for lots of reasons, one of which was they were very productive and highly skilled, but they couldn't get along and they were affecting the environment in the workplace to an extent that she called me in. And we began to work together in the way that I describe in the book. I separated them. I worked with each individual separately for a few sessions. Hearing their story, teaching them skills, and then I brought them together, and we taught. Now that they're skilled and they've got they've got a way to talk to each other, and we started to unravel the conflict together and make plans for how it wouldn't happen again in the future. Well, one of the things that that one of the women uh, said to me was, "You know, I always thought I was a bad person because I couldn't figure this out. I didn't realize this is just a set of skills. This is a set of skills anybody can learn. Anybody can get better at this." Right. So like you said before, am I able? Am I willing? Do I have the skill? Those are the three criteria from the book, too. Yeah. Yeah. And and I was like I was like stunned in a way. You know how you Mm -hmm. learn stuff from the people that you interview or that you teach? Yeah. I was the learner there. I was like, you know, you're right. This is just in some ways just a set of skills. I mean, just is a very big word here. But if you're committed, like you said, if you have a commitment to learning and to creating more peace of mind in your life, that's what you do. Uh, I want to. I, I know this hour is
1: going by, but I, I have to to talk about something that is so important. It, by the way, it was important in the body of research I did. It was so important in the body of research I did that my uh, committee made me pull it out uh, and write about it separately. And and I want to ask you about. It. I want to kind of cut to the chase on it, if I could. Okay. And that is the idea of a broad term called integrity, which. Uh, which was defined in my research, but I want to go to the part of that that talks about trustworthiness and credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, can we achieve this if in fact, the climate of the culture perhaps isn't currently viewed as most trustworthy? And the reason I bring it out, uh, bring it up, is because we're talking about conflict we're talking about enemies so by the very nature of that trust is sacrificed in so many ways how does uh the art of peace in the workplace this you know what you've done how does it help us restore trust right
2: wow yeah oh, gosh that's a that, biggie that's a biggie that's that's a biggie all right well i'll just start and see see what you Yeah you're yeah thinking. go for it go for it uh, so uh <laughs> First of all, I, I, I have to go back to, I think we have to start by trusting ourselves and trusting that we are in whatever we're in, the conflict, the relationship, uh, that we trust our own motives, right? That we want to bring peace to uh, ourselves. We, we want peace of mind for ourselves, but um, do I walk around emanating it, you know, or am I walking around emanating anger all the time or frustration all the time? because I'm getting good at that. And uh, so if I'm not practicing in the real world what I want from other people, then I maybe need to take a look at myself first. So I'll start there. And then in terms of the culture and how we're acculturated because we have grown up watching people do things and that's how we learn how to deal with conflict unless we go to a class or read a book or something like that. And oftentimes what we're being shown is not the best way to do it. So, we begin to not trust people. We begin to walk into a situation where we're not particularly respectful or trusting of what's going to happen. Um, I guess you can't you can't make someone trust you. Mm. You can you can trust someone else and proceed. Uh, without blinders on, you know, there's a way to do both. So I'm fond of saying it's not an either or world. It's a both and world if you let it be. So do I go in trusting or not trusting? Maybe I go in proceeding uh, independent of trust. I am I may go in trusting and, you know, if, if I'm negotiating a contract, for example, I'm going to put in conditions so that I know that um, that we're make i make sure that both of us are seeing the uh what we're agreeing to in the same way and i think of contingencies if and may, it, maybe if i'm talking to my son or my daughter or my sister or my brother and i'm asking them for something and they say they're going to do it uh and i say okay great i you know trust that you're going to come come through with that commitment mm-hmm. that promise right you're not going to break it um so what happens if you don't what should I do right so I I create contingencies what happens you said you're going to call mom next week yeah right um what happens if if you don't should I what should I do right I let them speak and I'll let them say well then please call me and remind me and I'll say okay I can do that um you know so we create agreements about what happens if a disagreement happens so i'm i want to trust i'm i'm a trusting person and i proceed also in some ways independent of trust so that i can make sure that i always have a backup plan i guess does this help at all am i answering your question well
1: no what i think you're describing is a process and what i love about that is it really ties back to keto so yep. the the thing that we're talking about is and this is really what people think Uh, sometimes they think that here we are and we are talking about the workplace. And one of the things that may happen is you go through years and years and years of breaking promises, violating trust, and there you go. And so we're going to help folks today in a lot of ways. And what you've described is the process. We're also going to give another copy of the book away. So let's go ahead and do that. Mr. Benny, 1-800-930-2819. So, something that probably took a number of years, a number of situations uh, to get you into that conflict state. You have to start to unravel that. And I think the unraveling of that gets loud and clear in your book because you go to the place and you use one of my favorite words. Honestly, this is it possibility, possibility. And so if we're not going to engage in this shift, if for no other reason or no other person but for ourselves, without the possibility of that shift, then we have already shut down the process that you described. So I was thrilled to see you use that. Uh, and, 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 you know, this hour goes by so quickly. And I wanted to ask you in the couple of minutes we have left. How important is possibility? And in the body of work that you do, you know, is it really a game changer?
2: Yes, I I believe it is a game changer. Uh, I I wanna say up front too that like with the question of trust and the question of possibility, I'm fond of saying in general around conflict that there are some questions that we live with and we get the answers to every day. So an example for possibility might be, what if I entered this conversation from the framework of thinking that anything is possible, right? Instead of thinking, closing it down like, oh, this is nothing good is going to happen here. Uh, What if I entered in reframing the conflict as a possibility for building the relationship rather than damaging it? It changes my mindset. It changes everything I say. What if I entered the conversation from the possibility of uh, solving the problem in a way that's elegant and sustainable and I'll never have to have this conversation again? Wouldn't that be great? So I think we don't have to know how we're going to do it, is my point. We only have to practice possibility, practice thinking bigger. What if, right? Just that what if, instead of what if everything goes haywire. Or go south, what if this was the conversation that changes our relationship for the better? What if? What would that look like? What would that sound like? And I advocate that people actually envision that happening, whether they believe it or not, because it is a possibility. Thank
1: you for saying that. Because you see, what we're touching upon now, Judy, is we're touching upon a world that opens up to enormously more outcomes. See, that's what I love about possibility. There are outcomes that you can't even contemplate if you can be in the energy of possibility, right? Yes. And that's what I think you're talking about, not only in the book, but by the very nature of it, the possibility of enemy to to ally.
2: Yes. And Mm -hmm. that encourages us, I think, Pat, too, to to try things out, right? So one of the best things about Aikido, oddly, is the falling down because we throw our partners and they roll around and they get up again and they fall down maybe 150 times a night, but they keep getting back up. And that's, it's called the art of ukemi, the art of receiving. So by doing this a hundred times a night, we, we learn how to take risks. We learn how to not be fearful of conflict. We learn, you know, Hey, life goes on. And if I enter uh, a real life conflict off the mat with that sense of, okay, stuff's going to happen that I'm not going to expect, but this is how I'm going to get better, right? I practice, yeah. you know, five times a week. I get better at it. You practice yeah. how many yeah. times a week. You get yeah. better at it. What am I practicing now in terms of conflict? Do I want to get better at that? If not, if I'm getting angry all the time or I'm getting reactive all the time, I call that that's what I'm practicing. Then we need to practice something else. Yeah. Judy, awesome. I want to thank you for today, but I also
1: want to thank you for writing and teaching what I believe is one of the most important lessons we can learn in the workplace today. You know, many people think that we have gotten over, you know, the years where the economy was so crushed that people didn't have jobs and even the people that were in the workplace were really treated the worst that they had ever been treated because you know, folks knew that there was nothing else they were going to do. So we are now in this place where we must, this is not an option, we must be able to transmute from enemy to ally. Thank you so much for this. Judy, give out your website and thank you for today.
2: Thank you, judyringer.com. Pat, thank you very much. This was fun.
1: Uh, for those of you out there, uh, Yeah. This is a conversation. If you don't have her book, please take a look at it. And I wasn't kidding. Get a copy for your boss. That's what I'd do. (laughs) Say, hey, Dr. Pat said I need to give you this book. Uh, Benny, we have to get one for you. No, I'm already kidding. Let's take a short break, everyone. More to come up on Transformation Talk Radio. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Judy.
2: The preceding audio was via a Skype call.